The full power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is contained in the Book of Mormon, period. Remember this declaration by Jesus himself. Whoso treasureth up my word shall not be deceived. And in the last days, neither your heart nor your faith will fail you. Hey everyone, welcome to the Book of Mormon podcast. This is Shelby and Kevin. As always, we are here, your host, and this is episode 192. We're really close to 200. (laughs) And we are joined today by a special guest. We have Abby Harding, right? Right. (laughs) She is the host of the Strive podcast. We actually connected online uh, via Instagram, I believe, was how we met. And I'm telling y'all, this is like the best place to meet people who just want to talk about the gospel. So get on Instagram. (laughs) But Abby, we are going to go ahead and let you just introduce yourself. You can tell us about your podcast. You can tell us about you, anything you want. Oh, thank you so much for having me. That is so exciting. 192 episodes. That's so cool. I've been a longtime listener, but I didn't know it was 192. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Yeah, well, like um, Shelby said, I'm the host of the Strive podcast. It was a project for college. I had to graduate and put together this like 50 hour project of something creative. And this is kind of what I came up with. And I just fell in love with it. Probably the same way you guys have just loved podcasting. I love listening to them. I love recording them, planning them the whole nine yards. Um, But basically, it's about striving to become more like Jesus Christ. And it's like a community of women that come together. And I've had a lot of cool opportunities through that to interview some awesome people and learn their stories. It's so cool. Um, But yeah, it's basically the Strive podcast a little bit about me. I'm originally from Southern California. Uh, that's home. <laughs> I'm 100% Disney, beaches, everything stereotypical, basically, I enjoy. <laughs> um, and then I moved to Texas my senior year of high school. And then I came up to Idaho for college. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, I'm trying to think of other things. I got married a year and a half ago, and it's been super cool. Um, my husband's name is Ben and he is just so perfect in every way for me. So it makes me happy, but yeah, that's basically it. I love it. Well, you're talking to a fellow Californian who also oh, went to yeah. Disneyland multiple, multiple times. <laughs> so we are right there with you. And we, now that we're in Texas, obviously we go to Disney world a lot too. So <laughs> I, I feel you there. <laughs> After we record, we'll have to share Disney tips because I want to go to Disney world so bad. <laughs> guys have to tell me your tips and tricks. All right. We definitely will. Um, okay. Well, everybody, that's Abby. You guys got to go listen to her podcast because it's so awesome. So we'll link it in our show notes for you guys. Um, and then in the meantime, let's dive into third Nephi chapter 27 this week. If I didn't say that, that's where we are. And this is a really, really good chapter. I can see, Abby, why you wanted this chapter to talk about <laughs> with us, because it goes really hard on what the name of Christ Church is. And then it also elaborates a lot more on other things. Um, but as just to give some background before we start, here we are. We're still learning. Well, Christ has came and he's taught with the Nephite nation. Um, and at this point, we learned that in the very beginning, he actually wasn't there anymore. Um, he came to the apostles as they were praying and fasting. We read in verses like one and two. So any initial insights, Kevin, you want to share or Abby into the start of this chapter, maybe? Yeah, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about last week, which was we read that after Jesus had initially visited the people in, you know, in and around the the temple in the land bountiful, he visits them often again. And this is another one of those, those instances in the chapter heading. It even spans two years now. So it, it may be a little bit after that or something like that like 
about 34 to 35 AD, right? And so, yes, Jesus, um, he comes to them as they were praying to the Father in his name. And he stood in the midst of them and he asked them a question as they're in mighty prayer. And so they had a question, they had a need, they were united, very important, united in mighty prayer and fasting. And then the Lord showed himself to them. I wonder if that is a, I guess a spoiler for the millennium when as his disciples after he's come among his people and he returns to them often when they are united and they are gathered together in in mighty prayer and fasting he then shows himself to him to them right yeah i think that when i was reading this i I had, I just had the impression that if they're in mighty prayer, where does Christ usually show himself? And I just had the impression that it was at the temple. Like they had to have been in the temple about this. And so it made me think about, you know, and obviously we don't have doctrine on this. This is just my thoughts, but I just felt like they were in the temple and that's where they received this revelation. And it made me think of the quorum of the 12 today and the things that they're in mighty prayer about for us and how they get to you know, testify of the Savior. And I was actually listening to something from David A. Bednar today. It was the most recent BYU speech that he gave, um, what, like three days ago? But he said at the end of his testimony, he said, I witness to you that the Savior lives. And I witness, and he kept saying the word witness instead of like, I know, or I believe, or, and it was just standing out to me. And I thought, yeah, he's witnessing because he knows and he's probably saw, right? He's probably seen because here in, in verse one, um, at the very beginning, it says they were preaching the things which they had heard and seen. And when you're called to be an apostle, you're a special witness of him, which comes from hearing and seeing, which obviously is a testimony, but it just like stood out to me with elder or yeah, with elder Bednar today. And then tying it back into these first couple of verses, I'm like, man, they are witnesses of him too, because they are his apostles. So I'm pretty sure they were in the temple. <laughs> so those are my insights on the first few verses. I love that. I totally agree. I think it's so powerful. I think, um, Kevin, you mentioned it about the word united in the first verse. That's like the word that was totally like glowing out at me. And I, it was just so cool that they were gathered together and were united in prayer and kind of like going off of what you said, Shelby, how, you know, I, we don't know where they were praying about it. I mean, temple is a pretty good guess. That's kind of what I was thinking too. Um, but I think that is one of the best places where we can be united in mighty prayer. You know, on my mission, I had a zone leader, Elder Klein, and he was a stud. Wait, I have to interrupt really quick because this is for our posterity that we record this podcast. So Elder Klein actually was a family in my mission. He he was the son of a family. In my last area of the mission. And I loved the Klein family. So when I went on my first date with Kevin, it was like an instant connection that we knew the clients. And so he talked all about the clients. So I just had to put that in there for posterity's sake. So keep going. So Elder Klein was a stud. He was a total stud. And he would always be just deep in his studies. And I I remember a couple of times when we would be over there, you know, whether it was like, I don't know what the circumstances were that we were over there at their apartment or something for personal study. But we, we were talking one day and he said, he, he said this, he said, prophets see God. <laughs> right. And I was like, uh, okay, what, what are you, what are you saying? <laughs> He's like, prophets see God. So at the time, president Monson was the prophet. He was like, president Monson seen God. 
And I was like, I don't, I don't know if that's true, <laughs> right? Like, I don't know if we, we can say that. Um, he's definitely in communication with God, you know, through the, I mean, the savior, it's his church. And then on top of that, he was like, you know, when, when the apostles, when they say they have, they are a special witness of Christ, it means that they have seen Jesus Christ. Like they have a, an, an actual witness, like they witnessed literally him. And at the time I was blown away by that. And I, I, I believed it because I, I believed elder Klein knew what he was talking about. But as the years have gone by, I have found that I've been less and less astonished by the special witness of the apostles. And it's something that I've had to repent of and realize that these men really are in direct communication, whether it be the spirit or by his own mouth, it doesn't matter, right? These men are being led by the head of the church, which is Jesus Christ. And whether they've seen him, whether they've, I mean, whatever of the, the details of that communication, we don't know. Um, what's most important is that they, they are executing his, his will, right? Yeah, for sure. I love that. <laughs> it reminds me of that primary song, like if the Savior stood beside me. I can't imagine how they feel. I've, and I can't even imagine what it would be like to see Jesus Christ. I think it'd be a very overwhelming and awesome experience, but it's cool that even though we can't see him and like they do, right. Cause they have the authority to do that. Um, but we can still feel his presence often. And I'm so grateful for the Holy ghost that also helps us feel him as well. But if the savior stood beside me, like what I do the things I do, what I do this, what I do that different. And, you know, we don't have to wait until one day we're a prophet to do it or something, you know, like we can really start today with our witness of Jesus Christ. Wow. I really appreciate that. That, and it, that brings it back down to our individual discipleship, which is that, yes, we, we also have our witness of Christ. Um, and if we hold it as, as dearly as the apostles do, then we will be okay and we'll be able to likewise execute his will and do his work, be his servants here on the earth. I guess we kind of got in the weeds there of uh, <laughs> seeing Jesus come among the apostles. Yeah, but I think it's important to be able to set up the rest of the chapter right? because he expounds on more than just what they ask him. Right. And to know where they are, most likely, to know their witness, like this is important things to know. So, yeah, yeah I think it was expedient <laughs> to talk about it. Um, well, we keep like talking about it while not talking about it. So what we're what they're asking the Lord is actually in verse three. I'm going to go ahead and read it. It says, and they said unto him, Lord, we will that thou wouldest tell us the name whereby we call this church for there are disputations among the people concerning this matter. So this is their question. They want to know the name of the church. There's some disputations going on. And the one thing I wrote in my margins on my on my phone was here we are, what, like a year probably later. And the first one of the things when he first came was he told them to have no contention among you, right? Or disputations. And here we are like a year later. This just shows our human fallen nature. We have disputations about something like the name of the church. And so it's just funny to see that human nature. And then, you know, these are newly called apostles all at the same time. And how do they know what to do? And so they're just doing the best that they can because, you know, I mean, they're trying. And so you think, well, hey, it's the Lord goes on and he does say, like, have these people not read the scriptures? Like it's it's in the scriptures. So 
you would think an apostle or the, would be like, oh yeah, it's in the scriptures, but these are young apostles just called. And so they're, they're learning too. So I love seeing the human, human side of all of this over a time period. That's very short. So. Totally. I know. I love how you brought up that point of their like inadequacies because they're new. I think it's easy to get caught up and be like, oh, I'm not good enough, but I'm sure they felt the same way too. And I'm so grateful that we have revelation in our church that like nothing has to be a question mark. You know, we literally can get answers to everything and Jesus Christ is so willing to give the answer. We just kind of have to ask for it first. So thanks for sharing that. For sure. Well, just to your point, Abby, he goes on the the Lord, he asks them, you know, why is it that the people should murmur and dispute because of this thing? Have they not read the scriptures, which say you must take upon you the name of Christ, which is my name. And so not only is he calling to the scriptures, but, and then that's interesting because he, he made a point that certain things needed to be recorded in a few chapters back. I think it was, um, it was in chapter 23 that he, he really hammers on that importance. Like, Hey, these things need to be written. Hey, why didn't you write Samuel, the Lamanites prophecies, (laughs) make sure you write those down. And they were like, okay, we, we will. (laughs) Right. And so he, he constantly turns them back on the words that he has already spoken and the, and thereby the scriptures. Right. And we know that the, the church is Christ's church. Right. And so of course that's, that's the name. If, if people are of Christ's church, they have his name taken upon them as a covenant but also the name of the church is pretty clear. It's going to be the church of Jesus Christ. And he, he makes point of that covenant in verse six. And whoso taketh upon him, my name and endureth to the end, the same shall be saved at the last day. So he, he makes reference to the covenant. And then in verses seven and eight, I would say he will read it, but it's kind of like, can he, can I make it any more clear to you? Right. Do you want to read it? Sure. Go for it. <laughs> he says, therefore, whatsoever you shall do, you shall do in my name. Therefore you shall call the church in my name and you shall call upon the father in my name and he will bless the church for my sake. And how be it my church, save it be called in my name. For if a church be called in Moses's name, then it be Moses's church. Or if it be called in the name of a man, then it be the church of a man. But if it be called in my name, then it is my church. If it so be that they are built upon my gospel. That's pretty, pretty straightforward. We know what the name of the church needs to be, but you know, Abby, I would, I'd ask you this question. Why, why do you think it's important? And why do you think he puts such emphasis on the fact that, the church be built upon his gospel? Yeah, good question. Um, well, I kind of want to answer it with like an experience and I'll tie it all together in a little bow. But um, one of the reasons why I t- chose this chapter was because um, of like the spiritual and emotional connection I have to it. And so I was on the mission in Oregon <laughs> and we had someone we were teaching and they literally believed in everything in the church, every single piece of doctrine, everything we went through and like preach my gospel, like everything was clicking except for the name of the church. That was like the one holdup of this like 70 year old man. (laughs) And he couldn't like let it go, even though we tell him, you know, and that was, I went on a mission like after president Nelson's announcement, like say the whole name. Right. And so we weren't like, we're part of this church, that church. Um, and he just didn't like the way it sounded. He was like, this is so weird. And we're like, yeah, it's long, but you know, like we have to be focused on like all of them, like how to do it. And my companion and I were super new, super new to the mission. And, um, we both were kind of at the same place in like our testimonies and our gospel doctrine knowledge. And we didn't know where to turn in the scriptures. We're like, where can we find the answer? Like, where was this written down? We pulled up like conference talks that we 
Googled on Gospel Library, but we couldn't find any like scriptures that backed it up necessarily. And I remember we just prayed and we're like, we just got to open somewhere and we're just going to find it. And she opened to 30 by 27 and we were just like, let's just read it. Let's see what happens. And it was like exactly what we were needing. And it was just the coolest thing. And so I think it's going back to your question. I think it's very special to focus on um, the name of the church, but that's not where it ends. It's not just the name. It's like, what's in the church? What are we studying in the church? What's the purpose of the church? And so I think this um, this chapter beautifully outlines that kind of like what you're saying, Shelby. It's like, how did you word it? It was so perfect. I can't remember off the top of my head, but there's just more to it, you know? And so I think we really got to focus on like, there's the name. Here's the, or here's how you worded it. It was like, here's the answer to the prayer, but here's more. And so I think that's kind of the beauty of it. And I think the reason why the gospel is so important is because it points us to how we can get home to our heavenly father again. That's a really awesome story. <laughs> like, that's incredible. Out of curiosity, how did he respond to the chapter when you guys shared um, it with him? <laughs> he kind of just laughed and said, okay, girl, see you next week. And then we had another lesson. <laughs> I'll be honest. But I think it was more emotional and good for me. And it was a testimony builder for me. He's not in the church, not learning about the church anymore. But I mean, that's what happens. You just kind of have to be patient and just love them and just know that everything will work out um, in the way that it's supposed to. But um, I really thought that experience was powerful because that was a question I never really wondered. You know, I grew up in the church and I loved church. I was one of those kids that was like front row in the primary program, singing my heart out. You know, <laughs> And I never really wondered why the name of the church is what it is. And so I think this experience was really powerful to me to like actually go in and ask that question and learn more about it and then go to Heavenly Father united with my companion, going back to that one verse and figuring it out for myself as well. That's amazing. I love that. Thank you for sharing. I want to touch on like a few high points of your experience and and that in the scripture. And so obviously the gospel of Jesus Christ, I love making the connection that the gospel of Jesus Christ is synonymous with the plan of salvation in the scriptures. So, and what you said is the gospel is how we get back to heavenly father, right? That's the purpose of us being on the earth. It's the mission of the church, right? Is to save and exalt the saints. And so, of course, there are all these things that have to be uh, as a foundation, you know, as these principles that the church is founded on. And as long as the church is focused on that mission of, hey, we're going to get everybody back to live with with Heavenly Father Jesus Christ, that's another indicator that it is God's church and Christ's church. And there is no other organization or church on the planet that is making sure that everyone who has ever lived or whoever will live will get back to live with God and Jesus Christ and the entire earth family, the, the human family. So like you can look at it from a very, uh, a, like a close, like a zoomed in perspective of just like, a personal progression of like my personal salvation, my personal relationship with the savior, the covenants that I make with him and all the things that I'm going to do to get back to heavenly father. And then you can scale it back and you see that that's being done for every member of God's family. And that's the mission of the church. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which is why it's called in his name, right? So to bring it back. And that's why I believe he does give us more. So in these in the scriptures, so we can see why it is called that, right? And what entails the name of Christ Church. And like Kevin said, you know, it's the covenants, it's the ordinances, it's the things that we do that help us get back to him. Yeah, those are those are the things, right? Go ahead. No, sorry. Totally like you off. <laughs> um, but in verse seven, totally like what you read earlier, like he will bless the church. Like, how cool is it? Like, if we 
you know, live our lives and do the things and he will bless the church. Like that's a promise written in the Book of Mormon. It just makes me feel really happy and like warm and fuzzy inside for sure. (laughs) I like that. I like did a brief scan, not a scan. I did read them, (laughs) but I put like little notes in my margins next to some of the verses. So if I skip over a verse you guys want to talk about, just let me know. However, um, one thing that I did underline is verse nine. I put um, in my margins at the end, it says, therefore, if you call upon the father for the church, if it be in my name, the father will hear you. And I wrote in my margins, this is a promise and God cannot lie. And so it's important to point out that this like follows throughout the rest of the chapter where he says things that are principles of the gospel or doctrines of the gospel. And he can't lie about it. So everything he's saying is truth, right? Jesus Christ is truth. And so I just thought that was important to point out in the beginning that all the things that follow are truth, they're doctrine. And he's not making a lie about this. And also, um, President Nelson obviously gave a talk called The Correct Name of the Church in October 2018. And everything he said in that talk reiterates this chapter right? It, it's, it is basically, he expounds on some things, um, but you see the continuity, right? That Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that is so important, at least for me to know that like, yes, this will always be the, the name of the church. It will be the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you know, in these last days. Um, and that's important. And to remember that, And as I was, obviously with this chapter, I read President Nelson's talk too, like side by side with it. And I just felt that I missed the first time the seriousness of this talk given in October of 2018. I don't know what it was this read through, but I just felt the seriousness of President Nelson saying like, you guys, this is a course correction. We need to fix it. And this is why. And my favorite thing from this, which I'm sure was also something that might have been mentioned here in to the Nephi nation, but he says the most important thing in in those names, when he said LDS Church, Mormon Church, Church of Latter-day Saints, right? He said the most important thing in those names is the absence of the Savior's name. To remove the Lord's name from the Lord's church is a major victory for Satan. When we discard the Savior's name, we are subtly disregarding all that Jesus Christ did for us, even his atonement. And I love that last line, that when we do that, we're subtly disregarding all that Jesus Christ did for us. Because in this chapter, he goes on to like talk about this in verses like 13 and 14 and so on and so forth, that I came into the world because the Father sent me to be lifted up on the cross, right? And to suffer for your sins. And so I just loved this consistency through scriptures here and then from our modern living prophet, President Nelson. Sorry, that was a lot, but I just had to share where I saw the threads like being pieced together throughout all this for me. I also wrote that down in my chicken scratch and my dollar store notebook but like I wanted to write down basically the whole talk I loved it and I'm glad you brought it up because it's so powerful and they totally go hand in hand so I'm really glad you mentioned that especially the part where you focused on um it's a major victory for Satan if we don't it's like the coolest thing that our church is like Jesus Christ's church like we should never take that for granted so I'm really grateful for it I agree. And I'll be the first to admit that I, I mean, sometimes I still use the term LDS and I read this talk and I was like, why am I doing that? Why I didn't, I'm really glad this chapter came up when it did, because it was a course correction for me, like a reminder again, that no, he even like gives examples of, you know, what do you do? Someone asks you this question. And I was just like, how did I miss this? Like, what was I doing in my brain in 2018 where I missed the seriousness of this? But Granted, you know, I'm at a different spiritual point than I was in 2018. So there's always progression and the Lord forgives. But I mean, man, this talk was just so like, it was just fascinating. 
and such a testament to it being Christ church and not giving Satan any more power, right? We don't want to give him more power by saying the LDS church, right? We, we want to give Christ power and worship him and glorify him and not Satan. Totally. Yeah. And I just graduated my degree in journalism. I think we talked about that a minute before, but um, there's like a, it's called the AP style guide, but it's basically like a guide for all journalists and reporters. And they have to say Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints when they talk about our religion. That was like recently changed when that talk came out. So yeah, add more to count on for them, but that is like a journalistic rule now. So it's not just like like, well, maybe like I should say LDS because more people understand it. Like, no, like even like the media is like following along with President Nelson. So I think that's really cool. They're super respectful about that. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I remember when, obviously, when that talk came out and and it was, it seemed sort of like, hey, is this is this really the the most important thing that we need to focus on? There was a lot of criticism um, of of different different groups. People just kind of putting it in the wrong light, right? Like, oh, like there's so many issues in the world, and you're just focused on the name of your church or um, or a, a rebranding, you know, effort or something like that. Some some sort of worldly spin, and really, it does come down. I mean, President Nelson, he said it he said it very clearly in his talk, but when you reference it with this chapter, which, you know, is in the book or the keystone of our religion, it's, it is a very serious tone. Like you said, Shelb, um, in verse 11, it said, or I actually, I'll go up to verse 10. And if it so be that the church is built upon my gospel, then it, then will the father show forth his works in it. But in verse 11, if it be not built upon my gospel and it is built upon the works of men or upon the works of the devil, verily I say unto you, they have joy in their works for a season and by and by the end cometh and they are hewn down and cast into the fire from whence there is no return for their works do follow them. For it is because of their works that they are hewn down. Therefore, remember the things which I have told you. And there's a very serious tone in that. There is a consequence for forgetting whose church this is. And if you start building up to yourself, you know, men are... Are dust right? Like all these things are temporary. You'll you'll prosper for a season, but in the end, the works follow you, and it leads down into the fire. <laughs> and then that last statement: "Remember the things that I have told you." Um, just that reiteration, right? And I bet I bet President Nelson had read those words and he he remembered he said I can't believe we almost forgot and the last thing I'll say is like Shelby you mentioned like you needed to just recently course correct yourself yes it's something that keeps creeping back because of I guess the natural man in us trying to use fewer words or we're trying to like get out from underneath something but where is it rooted where is it tied are we remembering the Savior as we discuss his church? I'll read a quote from the chapter from the talk really quick. It says, Taking the Savior's name upon us includes declaring and witnessing to others through our actions and our words that Jesus is the Christ. Have we been so afraid to offend someone who calls us Mormons that we have failed to defend the Savior himself, to stand up for him? even in the name by which his church is called. If we as a people and as individuals are to have access to the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ, to cleanse and to heal us, to strengthen and magnify us, and ultimately to exalt us, we must clearly acknowledge him as the source of that power. We can begin by calling his church by the name he decreed. And like that was the point in the talk where I thought, 
oh my goodness, what have I been letting these little things slip through, (laughs) right? And politely just, I mean, think about times when you feel someone corrects you, you, you usually feel bad, like, oh, I'm so sorry, right? Like, I didn't know that. Um, and so correcting somebody, it's not because we're mad at them or we don't like them. It's because we're trying to follow the Savior and be his witness. So we're making it a point to say, actually, it's the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And most people, when I have done that, responded well. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> right. So anyway, such a good talk, which we could talk about forever, but you know. <laughs> Um, Abby, what are some of your takeaways from, from this chapter and the interactions between the Savior and his apostles here? Yeah. Um, well, before I came on here earlier this week, I was listening to your episode with Tammy um, and talking about Third Nephi 9. And there were some very key things that just kept on like jumping out at me. Like I'd be in my scripture study, studying something completely different yet different nuggets would come out. But the biggest one is, you know, that was such a different time in the Book of Mormon, even though it's in the same chapter. But like, I just think of like the difference between, even like from the start of the Book of Mormon, now that we're like in Come Follow Me, First Nephi, like how special it is, like how much has happened. And now they have this relationship with Jesus Christ, literally like a witness like we were talking about earlier, and that he comes back that like they pray so hard and they want to see him so bad and they have all these questions and they really have a desire to get the church right. You know, they aren't just building it up for themselves. It's not just like a check in the box. Like, Oh, I was asked to do this. Like it was like a pure, genuine, we need help and we want to make this the best church ever. And that it can be holding hands with Jesus Christ and having that unity. And I'm just in awe of the um, apostles and their faith. And that's kind of the biggest thing I got from it. I, I just love that beginning part for sure. What about you guys? I was going to say, um, Kevin, you talked about this a little bit earlier, but you mentioned like the works mm-hmm. of the people, uh, you know, mainly talking about the church that doesn't, you know, glorify Christ versus the one that does. But the thing that stood out to me in this chapter was how much he mentioned, you know, you'll be judged of their works, whether they be good or evil. And it just kept standing out to me that this is, this is something we'll be judged on in the last day. Like, and the Lord will ask questions and he will say, you know, he'll obviously he'll have lots of justice, but he'll also have lots of mercy. Right. And verses 16 and 17 to me was that compare and contrast of justice and mercy Um, 16, I put mercy and 17, I put justice because mercy is extended to those who repent and are baptized. And he says, I will, him will I hold guiltless before my father at the day when I shall stand to judge the world. And then 17, he said, he that endureth not unto the end. He is, he is, he that is also hewn down and cast into the fire from whence there can be no more return because of the justice of the father. And so I just saw this um, same thing over in verse 27. He talks about the 12 being judges of these people. Um, In verse 21, see that you know that these are the works which you have seen me do, you shall also do. So there was just all these verses that kept repeating and also inviting to repent because it's by our works that we are judged and that's important and also our intentions, right? The intentions of our heart. So again, he's, he's hitting on the idea that it's not just the name of the church. It's, it's what you do as my church, as my people. (laughs) Um, In prep for this episode, I love the seminary manual. I gone gospel library. It's a treasure trove (laughs) for real. So if, People listening, if you're ever struggling with scriptures, go into that seminary manual. It's the best. Um, but kind of at this part of the chapter, um, it's talking a lot about repentance, like you said. And I love the correlation that you made between like justice and mercy. Those scriptures are so good. I'm definitely going to write those in the margins for sure when we're done recording. Um, but in the seminary manual, there's this quote from President Nelson. 
And it says, nothing is more liberating, more ennobling, or more crucial in our individual progression that is a regular um, daily focus on repentance. Repentance is not an event. It is a process. And so I feel like that quote perfectly aligns with um, what we're studying right now, transitioning into repentance and becoming better. I actually was talking to a friend this week um, on Marco Polo. Her name is Jenny. She's actually been on the podcast before. Um, And she was like, oh, man, I hate adulting. You have to clean your house. And she just moved into a new house. So she's only been there like a month. And she's like, it's already dirty. And so she was Marco Polo me and she was cleaning. She goes, and the thing that stinks about it is you clean it and then it just gets dirty again. And I had just finished actually reading uh, 3rd Nephi 27 after I had opened her polo. <laughs> and I was like, you know, Jenny, that's like the atonement and repentance. I was like, the second we repent, we probably turn around and get dirty not even five seconds later. And this is the joy of daily repentance. It's why we need it because we get dirty every day because we're not perfect. And that's okay that we're not perfect. Do not beat yourself up for not being perfect. What matters is our effort and what we're and we're trying. And if we're daily repenting, we experience that joy of getting to be clean for the whole five seconds, right? That we're that we're praying before we make a mistake or we sin or we do something that we should have been doing that we weren't doing, right? Whatever it is. And so I just I love that you brought that up, Abby, and that that quote that you shared because it's so true, right? The the joy of daily repentance. It's part of being a part of his church. You know, it's a gift that we get to have. You know, as I was listening to that, I thought, well, that's not, that's not fun. Like that's not, that, that doesn't sound good. I, as soon as I repent, I am dirty again, you know, like that doesn't, that doesn't sound good. But then I had this almost a, a vision, if you will, visionary man, (laughs) today um i had this thought of like you know it said that because i was just looking down at my scriptures and i saw the the judgment right and then you know for for them shall their works be known unto men and they shall know their works and god knows their works and i thought at the at the judgment day when you have a perfect knowledge of all your sins what will the, if it were projected on like a line graph or like a, a, a time period, right? Would it be gradually going down like on certain sins? Like, of course, you're, you're going to be committing certain sins, but you do them less frequently as the time goes on because you're getting better, right? And so, you know, yes, we immediately have to repent and, you know, as soon as we repent, then we make a mistake again. But then can we focus more on the the times in between those necessary repentance processes? You know, like, man, I, I made it the whole day or, wow, I made it the whole week without doing that thing or thinking that thing or, you know, judging another person that way or things like that it's hard to look at it in the moment, but it's much easier to look at it in review. And that's a wonderful thing because God has that eternal perspective. He sees our whole lives and, you know, we will have that perspective as well on our progress. And so, you know, judgment and repentance, those things sound unpleasant at first, but then you realize that if you're focused on progression as opposed to, you know, stagnant, you know, or, 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 you know, then you're actually going to see a great amount of improvement over that long period of time. I said, so I, th- I think there's, a, there's hope in there as well. I love that. Well, I know we're getting a little bit close to time. And so I kind of want to jump towards the end of the chapter for some of the things that he talks about, if that's okay with everybody. Um, By the way, if you guys haven't read this chapter, go read it yourselves because it's so good. Um, But I want to jump to verse 30, um, like towards the end here. 
In 30, he says, And now, behold, my joy is great, even unto fullness, because of you and also this generation. Yea, and even the Father rejoiceth, and also all the holy angels, because of you and this generation, for none of them are lost. I mean, how cool is that to hear that? And then he goes on, he says, Behold, I would that ye should understand, for I mean them who are now alive of this generation, and none of them are lost, and in them I have fullness of joy. And two things I want to point out here was one that the Lord throughout this whole process of the chapter, I also saw him teaching to understanding, which is a principle that you learn as a missionary, right? Teach to understand. And he's doing that here in this verse, like in 31, like, I really want you to understand this is what I mean by this generation. He also did it to me back in verse 13. I felt like he's reiterating, like, this is my gospel and this is why, like, who the understanding which can usually be through repetition, right? I'm going to repeat things over and over so you understand. So I I saw that here. And also the fullness of joy. Like anytime that we follow the Lord and keep his commandments, like his joy is so full. And, you know, people often say like, how can I ever repay back the Lord for what he did? Or, you know, I'm never going to be good enough for, you know, kind of these mindsets. But really all he needs from you is to try to keep his commandments the best that you can. And here we have it. These people, they're they're even having a disputation about a name, but yet he's saying my, my joy is full, right? So they're imperfect, but yet he has a fullness of joy. And so it's this wonderful thing that I see in the scriptures of, yeah, these aren't perfect people, but he's still really happy with this generation. And it's because they're trying. They're here asking questions, even though they're making mistakes. And that's okay. Your his joy is still full. So I just love this principle here of the two things I learned that I had to share. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. <laughs> Abby, I want to I want to make sure that you have time to share some of your thoughts and impressions from the chapter. Um, I'd love to hear some of the highlights or and even if you have to go back to some of the the scriptures that we've passed or maybe something that you wanted to to really focus on. Yeah, totally. Um, Shelby, those are the verses that I loved as well. I'm glad we jumped a little bit. <laughs> um, even though we jumped, you should go back and read it because it's a pretty quick read of a chapter. So listen to it in your car as you're driving, read it. <laughs> um, it'll probably take you just a minute, but I love how it says that none of them are lost. I think that, I mean, the fact that he says it twice, I think is really important. And I keep on thinking about the parable of like the prodigal son. Um, I love President Uchtdorf's or Elder Uchtdorf's talk he did at this past general conference about it. It's super well done. But um, I think of that symbolism a lot about how none of them are lost. Like we will have a way home. It might not seem like it. It might not seem like there's a way out and like we're going to be wandering and lost forever like the mist of darkness and the tree of life. Um, but there always is a way back and he's just going to be rejoicing when we come home. And so also in that same chapter of Luke with the parable of the prodigal son, parable of the prodigal son is like the woman, like the lost coin. It's like a couple verses long, but it's like kind of funny the way it's written. Um, but it's like, she loses a coin. She cleans her whole house. She celebrates when she finds this one coin, right? It's probably worth like nothing. But she like values it so much. And like, that's how like Heavenly Father is. We might view ourselves as like just a dusty old coin that's like just lost in this house. But um, he is really mindful of us and there always is a way back. So even if you feel kind of hopeless right now, for whatever reason, definitely know there is a way. And like bishops, bishops are a great way for us um, for us to be able to not feel lost and branch presidents. Like they literally have the tools and resources to help us come back as well. So it's never the end. Nothing's permanent. So love this chapter for that as well. I love that. And I appreciate that because it goes back to that church founded and, and built upon the gospel, which is to get Heavenly Father's children back to him. And these these priesthood holders that he's appointed to to lead his church and to administer in his church 
um, that's their sole focus, you know, um, barring priestcraft and, and, you know, because we have no paid clergy and these things like that, like there's, there's a, a blessing upon the church and upon the membership of the church, um, because of the way that it is organized. I think we're going to say, I, I have a few things to say about the last two verses mm-hmm. of the chapter, but I think it goes well into the next chapter as well. So I want to hold off on those. I want to, I want to discuss those next week. We'll start with those last two verses. I think that next week is a really long chapter. Mm-hmm. Technically it's like 40 verses in chapter 28. I'm guessing just as a warning to our listeners, we're going to have like a part one and a part two, because I even thought that 27 could be a part one and a part two as well. Yeah. Um. So there's definitely more that we didn't even get to talk about all the scriptures, but we did definitely talk about the doctrines and the principles and testimonies and stories like this is this is all important too and so um we are just so grateful that you got to come on and have this discussion with us and be a part of it and just to share your personal connection that you have to this chapter and experience was so powerful so thank you for being on the podcast with us (laughs) guys thank you so much for having me i really needed this i needed a little like chat with friends about the scriptures i needed a little uplift so thanks for letting me come on (laughs) i appreciate it Anytime. Yeah. And if you know anybody who wants to be a guest too, I mean, send them our way. We love (laughs) everybody. So yeah, we love the fellowship. (laughs) Yeah. So we will be back next week with chapter 28, finishing up with the last two verses of chapter 27. And as always go read your scriptures yourself. (laughs) We'll see you next week. Bye y'all. Bye. My dear brothers and sisters, I promise that as you prayerfully study the Book of Mormon every day, you will make better decisions every day. I promise that as you ponder what you study, the windows of heaven will open and you will receive answers to your own questions and direction for your own life.